the final week of our series on uh, vision, and going through our um, our uh, uh, mission statement. And so, what I want to do real quick, like we've been doing every uh, every week, is go over how we divide people up uh, as we minister to them. There's five, what we call five bands of people. One is the community. These are the people that we come in contact with. It's, it's, the, um, it's the people you work with. It's the people you live next to. It's, it's anyone that kind of a living spring person would come in contact with. That's the community. And it's also our neighbors. Um, the next is the crowd. And the crowd is someone who might make it on campus here. And so they might come to a Toys for Tots event. They might come to another event. Something that we have on campus is the crowd. And then we have the congregation. This is anyone who calls Living Spring their church home. If somebody said, do you go to church? Yes, I go to church. I go to Living Spring. Even if they go here once a year, this is what we would call our congregation. They, they would call Living Spring their church home. And then... It's the committed. These are the people who are here, regular attenders usually. Uh, they're giving to the church. Uh, they're, they're, you know, doing that. Then there's the core. These are the leaders. These are the people who are deeply embedded. They're, uh, they serve. They give sacrificially. They're, they show up at different events. This is what we call the core. And so we care about all these people. It's not just like the core. Okay, once you're in the core, then you're in us core no more. I don't know. Anyway, uh, it's, uh, and so our, the way our mission statement works out is that we reach this out, outer two bands. This is, and, and we, we use the term reach because we're going out. We don't just receive them. We go out to get them. Uh, and then we restore. And this is what we talked about last week. Restoring is just shalom. It's the way things are supposed to be. It's, 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 it's how God designed you and how uh, sin and different life choices break that relationship with God and kind of mess us up. And so we get restored. We get back to the way things ought to be, the way, the way God designed us. And, and we do that through sermons and different things like that. And then finally, this morning, what we're going to talk about is responding to the move of the Spirit. And so basically, just to take it one step further, we take a first-time visitor to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. We're always going to be pushing people to the next band. If you are part of the community, we are going to invite you to church to be part of the crowd. If you're part of the crowd, we're going to say, you know what? You should be part of our congregation. And if you're part of the congregation, you say, you know what? You need to take that next step and be a little more committed. And then you'd be part of the core. We're always going to be pushing because we feel like fully devoted followers of Christ is the way God had designed us to live. Okay? And so the way it looks is this. We reach our neighborhood and surrounding communities with the love of the Father. We restore lives to healthy relationship to the Son. Uh, in the sun, and then we respond to a move of the Spirit. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning, responding to a move of the Spirit. Now, when I say a move of the Spirit in uh, church, different people have different ideas of what that looks like. And if you're from a charismatic background, you might think a move of the Spirit has to do with uh, tongues of fire and, and, and wacky stuff happening and people f f falling over and all that kind of stuff. Well, that is one of the moves of the Spirit. If you're from a more traditional uh, background, a move of the Spirit might, might be something a little different. You might think of things like healings as a move of the Spirit. We laid hands on this person and they were healed. There was a move of the Spirit. It, you might think of revival, like the Azusa Street revival, that where just many, many people are, are coming to Christ. And everyone has kind of their own ideas. So when we say at Living Spring, we're going to respond to a move of the Spirit, we kind of think, well, man, I, I've never seen one of those before. What, 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 is that, what is that going to be? Well, what I want to do this morning is look at a different section of Scripture than we'd normally look at if we we're talking about a move of the Spirit. 
And it's from the early church. It's in the book of Acts chapter 15. And what we're going to be seeing is how the church responds to an issue that, arise, uh, that arose within the church. Okay, I'll give you a, a little kind of map here, if you will. Um, this is, you know, present day. Uh, you got Israel in there and um, Lebanon and Syria. And uh, so here's Jerusalem. And, and you're going to, when we read the scripture, you're going to see this place called Antioch up here. Okay? And so uh, you got Jerusalem and Antioch. Okay? And... Um, so we're going to be looking at that. And I just wanted you to see it so you can kind of get in your mind how far. It's about 300 miles away. Antioch is about 300 miles away. And if you think about it, for you and I, you know, we drive in a car. Maybe that takes us four or five hours. Some of us four, some of us five. Uh, but um, I... I would just drive the speed limit the entire time. But, uh, but they had to walk. They would do a, you know, ride a donkey or something like that. It took a long time. It's a big deal. Okay? And so um, I just wanted you to see that. We'll look, we'll look back again at that. Um, and, and what we're going to see in this very first verse is they're going to say some people came from, um, uh, they came down uh, from Jerusalem down to Antioch. And you look at that and you go, well, that doesn't look like down to Antioch. That's up to Antioch. Well, they didn't talk in terms of north, south, east, west. Everything was down from Jerusalem because Jerusalem was on a hill. And so if you see in the Bible, you'll see everything was up to Jerusalem and down from Jerusalem. So I just wanted you to see that so you didn't get confused. So here's what happens. Paul, uh, Paul was converted of, and goes on his first missionary journey. This is about 20 years after Jesus died and rose again. Is, this is all taking place about 20 years after that. And Paul used to persecute the church and he'd go after Christians. He was a Pharisee and, and uh, he would go after them. And he had this awesome conversion. He was knocked off his uh, cult and, uh, and, and uh, went blind. And then he kind of like was going around and someone helped him and they were worried about him. How do we know it's not a trick? And he's kind of get us and all this kind of stuff. Well, Paul went out to the Gentiles like Syria and up there's Turkey where Antioch is. And he began to preach the gospel to the Gentiles and they began to uh, become Christians and have all these churches. And so that's what happened. And so Paul was at, the, at this church in Antioch when, when all this took place, okay? So here's what happened. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you're circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved, now, again, I don't know if there's any kids in here. This is probably going to be a PG-13 sermon, okay? Um, so I apologize for that. But here's what they're saying. Unless you're circumcised, you can't be saved. Unless you have surgery, you can't be saved. Now, if you're a believer somewhere, and you're like, I don't know, my age, 47, and I decide, I listen to Paul, and I like this, and I believe in Jesus, and my life begins to change, and I begin to be part of a church, and then someone says, oh, and by the way, you need to get circumcised. My first question would be, well, how do you know I'm not? Like, how do they know? <laughs> like, what, I, I don't know how, I mean, it, it always, that's, isn't that your first question? Like, what, what, is it like rogue check, or I mean, how do you do that? Anyway, but for some reason, this was the, the thing. And so as you would imagine, and all the guys are just like, uh, as you would imagine, this, this causes some problems. 
Because you would be like, nobody told me that it was going to be, you know, I, I gave up all the stuff they told me to give up. No one said anything about surgery, okay? So watch what happens. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate. Now, you're going to notice in here that I have put yellow uh, uh, like I normally do, but I want you to get the, the theme, okay? They're processing through this. They have this church in Antioch. People from Jerusalem come down, mess it up, and they begin the process of, wait a second, of dealing with this issue, okay? So it says he brought uh, Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed by the church in Antioch, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem, which is really down south to Jerusalem, to see the apostles and elders about this question. Like, what in the world is going on? Why, why did you send these people? Why, wh where did this doctrine come from? And so there's this process that, that has begun. People came from Jerusalem to Antioch. They get upset in Antioch. They send people from Antioch to Jerusalem, okay? Now watch this. The church sent them on their way. And as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. So let me just show you what Paul's doing because Paul can't shut up about the gospel and he can't shut up about what God is doing everywhere. That's why he's writing letters and all these types of things. He is so, he has been so transformed and he's seen God do so many things he can't stop talking about. So let's go uh, back to our map again. I put the verse over there. The church sent them on their way and they traveled through Phoenicia, which is Lebanon right here. So they're coming down from Antioch and they go into Phoenicia and they go through Samaria. And they're telling all the people, Me, you would not believe what's happening. These Gentiles are coming to Christ. Their lives are being changed. There are signs and wonders. The church is growing. And because, you know, you get, you get kind of stuck in your own spot. You know, and, and rightly so. You've got a church. You're in a small town or whatever. Your church is going on. And you're being persecuted because there's been widespread persecution. And so it's exciting to hear these stories. And so that's what Paul does. He told, the Gent, uh, uh, he told how the Gentiles have been converted. This uh, made the believers very glad. So when they come to the Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders. This is like Peter and James and John are there. And uh, uh, to whom they reported everything God had done through them. So he begins, they begin to tell these stories again. Man, you would not believe what's happening in Antioch and this. And just kind of like as, as we see when people come up on stage and they talk about all the things that God has done. He, Paul and Barnabas and these guys come in and they start telling them about all the great things God has, has done. He says this, Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. And all of a sudden, Paul goes, so this is where this is coming from. We got to the root of the problem. And so Paul rained down fire and killed those. No, I, I, so this is, this is it. It's, it's starting to build. Someone stood up. I mean, can you imagine? I get up here and I, I'm talking about all the great things God is doing. And, and then all of a sudden, Dave stands up and says, yeah, you don't even know what's going on. And I'm like, oh, that Dave, I'll get him. You know, it, it kind, of, kind of this whole thing's going on. It's, it's building tension. Here's the thing I want you to see, though, that's so awesome as we go through this. There were Pharisees who came to Christ. 
You know how awesome that is? Like when we read the Gospels, we read about the Pharisees, evil Pharisees, evil Pharisees. But imagine what they had to go through to, to be a Pharisee and a Christian. And so, of course, it means something to them. Of course, this is important to them. Their whole lives have been based on the law and based on diet and all this kind of stuff. And so how do you treat someone who might be uh, new to the faith or have a background and, and, and they're, just, they're just struggling? What do you do? Because the, what's happening right now is the early church is trying to figure out an age-old question that we all have. Who's in and who's out? Who, who's allowed to be part of the, Jew, uh, uh, the church, part of the group? And so they stand up and... Uh, and they cause us problems. Now here's what happens. The apostles and elders met to consider this. Again, do you see the process of what's happening? They get together. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Okay? Brothers, he says, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you. That the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. Uh, Peter's going back to a story uh, that what happened with Peter, you know, Peter was a Jew just like any, anyone else. And God had given him a vision of all this food. The Jews had these dietary things. You couldn't eat certain foods. And, and he had this vision of all this food coming down and uh, a voice going, Peter, arise, kill and eat. Like, go ahead. You can have that food. Now, again, just get into the mindset because we all have these types of things. All of a sudden, it's okay for you to do something that you've never been allowed to do. So think of it, you know, if we kind of think of the, just the church, you know, there was a time when you couldn't play cards if you went to church. Now we look at that and we might think that's silly or maybe some of you still go, you know, it's, that's a pretty good idea and I haven't played cards once in my life. Th these are the types of things that happen. Now all of a sudden someone says, no, come on, let's go. It's poker night at the pastor's house. No, it's not, but I'm just saying, what if it were, okay? And so, and so all of a sudden you're with, you have this dilemma. This is what Peter had. And Peter ends up going to this guy Cornelius' house and he brings a whole family, comes to Christ and all of a sudden the early church is birthed into the Gentiles and there's this mixture of Gentiles and Jews together. It's like Republicans and Democrats living together. Ooh, man, it is crazy, okay? So he says, uh, you remember that. Now this, is, this next point is huge. He says this, God who knows the heart, okay, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them. Okay, here's our first. We've talked about responding to a move of the Holy Spirit. And here's finally the Holy Spirit is showing up in the text. Who's given the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. And he goes on and says, He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? Why would you make them go and do the law when we were terrible at keeping the law? And now grace comes and you want the law again? And notice what he says. You're testing God. Here's, what, here's why you're testing God. Because you're saying it's outward when God knows the heart of a person. You're saying if you're saved by what I can see, not what God can see. And Peter's 
bummed out about this. He says, no, we believe it's through grace of our Lord Jesus that we're saved just as they are. Man, it goes on. It says, uh, and we'll see it in a second, but Paul and Barnabas again start telling stories about what's going on. It's like they stood up and said, guys, Peter's, Peter is so he gets this. He's so dead on. Let me tell you what happened in Syria. Let me tell you what happened in Phoenicia. Let me tell you what happened in um, uh, Sicilia. Let me tell you what happened in Antioch. Let me tell you what happened in Samaria. And he, he's going on. He's going, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is doing work right now. I mean, it, the Holy Spirit is going. He, Peter's right. And none of those people are doing anything with the law. And for that, those Pharisees and the people, the Jews, they're thinking, how can that be? From the time I was a little kid, I was told, if I did the law, I would be blessed. And now they're just handing out the Holy Spirit willy-nilly to anybody who comes to Christ? That's, that seems impossible. And so it, it goes on. It says, the whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul, telling about the signs and wonders God had done with the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, listen to me. Think about this setting. Look at who you have in the room. Paul, Barnabas, Peter, James. James was Jesus' brother. Okay, James is one of the reasons why you can't convince me that Jesus was not the Son of God. Because if your own brother thinks you're the Son of God, you probably are the Son of God. Think... <laughs> Think about that. Think about what your brother would have to do in order to convince you that he's the son of God. Okay? Like when I talk about my brother right now, I talk about a lot of things, but he ain't no son of God. I'll tell you that much. All right? And so he, James spoke up, spoke up and he says, listen to me. Now listen again. What I want us to see, discourse, meeting together kind of formulating ideas, arguing, if you will. It gets a little heated. Somebody stands up and, and they get together and they're kind of going through all this, this kind of stuff to figure this out. So um, James gives this speech. Uh, he quotes a bunch of scripture that show the Gentiles were always supposed to be part of this deal. Uh, and so he quotes that scripture and he uh, talks a little bit more. And then he says this, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. This is, <laughs> this is one of the verses that we point to when we talk about reaching. When we talk about how we present the gospel here at Living Spring, how we kind of a a interact with people who don't believe and all that. We do not want to make it difficult for people who are seeking a relationship with God. Now, there is a tension always between grace and truth. And so the truth about eternity and sin and all that kind of stuff mixed in with the grace, oftentimes there's this tension. If I were to just say to you right now, you can't do anything to be saved. It's all through grace. None of your sin can stop. There'd be this tension in you, a little thing going, well, yeah, but you can't just do anything and just go for grace, right? I mean, and then if I just went for the truth, like, oh man, you know, and I just preaching truth, there'd be a side of you going, man, dude, back off a little bit. None of us, none of us can do that. This is the tension they're feeling, okay? 
So he says, it's my judgment. Um, uh, and then he goes into this weird stuff. Listen to this. It, it, therefore, it's, that we should not make it j- j- difficult for the Gentiles to turn to God. Instead, we should write to them. This is my judgment. This is what we'll do. We'll send them a letter. Here's what it, it'll say. Telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols. Listen, if you're going to be in a meeting that lasts like half a day, you'd think he would have come up with a better thing. Listen to what he says. Telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols uh, and sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals and from blood. That, those, are the, those, are the, those are the regulations of it. How, let me just ask you guys, just a show of hands, how did you do this week with the strangled animals requirement? <laughs> Were you okay? Okay, good. I just wanted to check. Then he says this, and this is really, this is really huge. He says, For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. When I first read that, I was like, what does that mean? Here's what it means. Let's not offend the Jews. Let's not make our grace offensive to something they have believed for a long time. Be patient with them that Law is, has been preached for a long time every single Sunday. And so while you don't need to be circumcised, congratulations, there are some things you need to watch out for. Let me give you an example. I, I, I'm not a big hat wearer. And I'm not a big like hat in church guy. For some reason it just bothers me. I'm glad there's nobody wearing hats because I've already figured out I'd had to apologize to you. But I'm just not a big, if you come into church and you're wearing a hat, I don't dislike you. It just bugs me. Okay. Now the reason it bugs me is because there's a Bible verse that says don't wear hats in church. No. It's just when I was a little kid, my parents, if we ever went to church, they'd make me take off my hat. And it was this big thing. It's a sign of respect and all, all this kind of stuff. And it was just drilled into me, okay? And so, so to wear a hat in church to me, when I see it, I, I'm immediately like, oh, that's disrespectful. Where did that come from? It came from my upbringing. This is what James is saying. He said, listen, these people have been talking about this for hundreds of years every Sunday. Can we just not... Can we help them along and just, we'll just do the dietary stuff? Help them with the dietary stuff? Okay. So here's what they do. They end up, uh, the whole church sent some leaders and Paul and Barnabas with the following letter. So they, they, they draft this letter and they send it from Jerusalem to Antioch. Here's what they say. The apostles and elders, your brothers, uh, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, Cilicia, greetings, okay? We have heard that some uh, went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said, okay? So he, at first he just mentions, look, we, those guys didn't come from us. We, we, didn't, we didn't send them out and you're obviously troubled by it and so we kind of apologize. So we all agreed, again, I want you to see this, they had this process, this thing. They finally got together. We all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul. Men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. Okay, so they're going to come in and make, it, uh, make sense out of it. Now, 
This next verse is what we've been building up to the whole morning. Because you saw the process. You saw it yourself. We talked about it. First, some people went out from Jerusalem and went to Antioch and messed around with them. And they got upset. Paul got upset and he got into sharp debate and discourse with them. And so they decided to send a group back to Jerusalem to try and work this issue out. This work, this, this kind of grace and truth issue. Like this, this whole thing that arose in the church. They're going through a process. They're going through uh, meetings. And so they meet with the elders and, and they got kind of heated. And, and somebody who's been, you know, kind of, they've been taught from the time they were a little kid. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to be circumcised. That's how you know if you're set apart. The way you know if you're set apart, if you are a male Jew, is that you are are circumcised. They've got to be circumcised. It's really, really important. They stood up and they had this talk. They began to meet again and they came up with this idea of a letter and Paul says, James says, this is my judgment. This is what I think. Listen to me and all this. So they send this writing down. We all agreed to choose some men. Now watch this. What he writes next. Okay. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit And to us, not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. What? The Holy Spirit? I thought the Holy Spirit was supposed to like shake the room and that's how you know you made the right decision. Or the Holy Spirit's supposed to grow your leg back or or strike you dead if you got the bad decision. I thought that's what the role of the Holy Spirit was. We just read about all this discourse, these meetings, these, these things, people getting upset about this and upset about that. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Here's my point for this morning. Sometimes the move of the Holy Spirit looks more like process than Pentecost. So, sometimes the Holy Spirit will begin to move in a way that seems like a staff meeting. You saw it this morning when we handed out the ninja shirts. And Cece said, yeah, I think it was Pastor John that came up with that idea. I think it was. Here's what we know. The Holy Spirit has moved in this church to have us be a church that goes out and helps people in the community. That's a movement of the Holy Spirit. That came through process. That came through board meetings and staff meetings and things like that. Here's the question. Are we going to respond to it or not? There's moves of the Holy Spirit that are happening in your homes this week as husbands and wives talk together and go, you know, I wonder if we should get rid of cable. (laughs) I wonder if we should, you know, are we, should our marriage be stronger? Should we? And it happens through dialogue. And the Spirit of God is moving in your relationship. The Spirit of God is moving in your family and in your homes and all that. And it just looks like dialogue. Now listen, this can be freeing on the one hand. Because you're like, good, I've never seen anything freaky happen. And I didn't know if the Holy Spirit was really happening. So it, it can be kind of freeing in that you know, the Holy Spirit can move powerfully in your life without there being a giant manifestation of it. But here's the other thing. If the Holy Spirit can move through conversations, move gently, guide, and move, what if we miss it? What if we miss the Spirit of God either because we're not listening, we're not paying attention, we're too distracted, or just flat out disobedience? This is why at Living Spring, our last one is we want to respond to a move of the Spirit. That if the Holy Spirit is moving and saying, you know, maybe you should get into some kind of service. 
Maybe you should step up your game a little bit as it comes to how, what you know about Scripture. Maybe it's time to get your prayer life. Maybe you should get into community. We don't want to miss those things. We want to respond. Now watch, watch the fruit of this. So it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. And then he goes through the requirements again um, uh, that say you are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols from blood and uh, from the meat of strangled animals and from sexual immorality, you will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. <laughs> That's it. Just those things. Now, three of them, like the sexual immorality part, we know that. I mean, we, we kind of, you know, that's what the church is known for, you know. You, you don't, don't do that stuff. But the, the other stuff, you think, man, none of that really even applies today. Does it? I don't know. What's your issue that you might need to lay at the altar so that you're not offending somebody? What, what, what if for you, let's just choose the hat example, you just don't wear a hat to church because there's somebody who, not me, but somebody who grew up thinking that's disrespectful or you do something else in a way. What it's saying is, look, if we're going to be the church, maybe the response of the Holy Spirit is that we give preference to one another, that we are able to lay down the things that are important to us as we have this tension of grace and truth mixed together. I just love, this is it. You ready? Abstain from food sacrificed to adults, from blood, from meat strangled animals, and sexual immorality. Farewell. That's it. Carry on. Keep being the church. Now watch this. Later on, it says, the people were glad for the encouraging message and Judas and Silas themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. And then when you get to 52, as uh, the worship band comes back up here, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? One of the things that I just would love to see and love to continue to see because we see it already is a people joining together that put aside their petty stuff that kind of give preference to one another and are filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. You can't stop a church like that. You can't stop a marriage like that. You can't stop a relationship like that. If your relationships are filled with joy in the Holy Spirit, if your decisions are filled with joy in the Holy Spirit, if your work cubicle is filled with joy in the Holy Spirit, you, you can't hold that back. The church exploded from Acts because of this very thing. Look, just put aside the small stuff and the sexual immorality and go get them.